Is that coming through okay? Someone's getting a text. <clears throat> which is 2 Kings chapter 6. <laughs> well, it's always a great comfort when, as someone that lacks a lot of self-confidence, God preaches the word during the worship. <laughs> it makes it a lot easier um, when he's already painted like a, an outline tableau. Because this morning, I want to take a bit of a risk. I want to share my heart I actually want to share a, a little bit of myself, um, which is quite scary. And I've really been wrestling with this word since I knew I had this one shot. And that's not the title of today, because <laughs> it means you can all take one shot at me. Um, and maybe in our minds, we feel that a lot of brothers and sisters are taking shots at us. And um, I think that's something that God wants to deal with this morning, part of the crushing that Steve was talking about earlier. But this word is a bit like a, a tube of sweets. Praise God for Marge, because I gave away my, what do you call it, um, jelly babies, yes, jelly babies, my example, because this word is a bit like a tube of sweets. If you come to our household and you have a packet of fruit pasties, which we don't have very often, you'll find the green ones are always left, because we don't like the green ones, we all like the red ones, and and my preach is going to be a bit like that this morning. There'll be a red one, which you'll enjoy, a yellow one, which might help, and a green one, which you might think, I don't know what he's going on about. So um, as Marge very kindly got these, perhaps you'd just like to take one and sort of choose the colour you like. Thanks, Marge, you're an absolute star. <clears throat> what did John say last week? We don't want a church that just ticks over. Do I hear an amen shouted out there? I wish it did sometimes, but we don't want a church that just ticks over. Because God is calling us to press on and to move on. And we've been told, Ben Goodman's come enough times, he's told us this is going to be a messy process and it's going to be difficult. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, anyone finding it messy and difficult, help me here. Okay, this is being videoed so I will see everyone, every hand, every hand raised. You know, and I've challenged myself and I I challenged myself to speak prophetically this morning But you as the body, as individuals and the cell groups need to weigh what I say. Anyone can stand up and say, I think I've got something from God. But you have to weigh that because that's the right way to do it. And I ask you to do that in cell groups. Because I believe that God wants to speak into circumstances and situations that we are going through as a church. And I'd just like to pray. Pray again before we do that. Father, I want to thank you so much that you have spoken to us so clearly already. Lord, you spoke at the prayer meeting yesterday morning. You've spoken through the worship this morning. Father, I pray you just take my weakness and my stuttering words, Lord, and that, Father, you would speak deep into all of our hearts, my heart too, Lord, and that we would be changed by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Anybody ever watch that TV program called Catchphrase? Yeah, you used to have a picture or something like that, and, and they, showed, uh, they showed something that was going on, and you had to guess what the catchphrase was. So you might have a tree and a pot of marmalade next to it, and that was log jam, yeah? That kind of thing. So I would like to play one round of catchphrase this morning. Big whoop there. It's Jenny here, because she usually whoops. Whoop! Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay? Anyone know what that is? Elephant, okay. Elephant, right. Anybody would like to work out the catchphrase? The elephant in the room. Okay. The elephant in the room. <laughs> oh, just cuddling. Oh. Does anybody know what the elephant in the room means? That's right. Something that's right there in front of you, but you don't want to talk about it. You know, I've been in work business meetings where you've sat there with 12, 15 people around a table, and there's one subject that's got to be addressed, but we all tip, tippy-toe, tippy-toe around it. In fact, I'll keep her there for the minute. It is a her, by the way. And um, I believe that there is an elephant that is in the room because we're facing challenges. We've heard about it this morning, haven't we? Personal, we're facing ch- um, challenges as a church, um, in relationships, family life, finances, health. Did I say relationships? Probably best to say that twice, isn't it? And also as a church, you know, we've been facing some really tough stuff recently, and I was almost a bit scared to bring this, but having heard what's been said earlier has brought great comfort to me. Because I sense in my spirit that these struggles and things that have been going on can lead to a sense of disappointment and can actually feed a sense of disillusionment and disorientation. And I believe that disappointment and disorientation can sometimes be the elephant in the room. Because in the church, we lift ourselves, put our arms around another. How are you, brother? How are you, sister? Let me pray for you. Because we feel we should play the game in being strong. But actually, sometimes it's good just to take a moment, just to say, actually, let's look at this. I'm disappointed. I'm struggling. Why aren't we full? I'm struggling with my health. I'm struggling with my finances. Father, what is going on? But we live in a fallen world, and when you live in a fallen world, stuff gets messed up, doesn't it? So what does the, what does the Chambers English Dictionary say about disappointment? Well, it says, to fail to fulfill the hopes or expectations of someone, to prevent a plan from being carried out, having one's hopes or expectations frustrated. Do you feel your hopes, expectations frustrated in the ministry you feel God's given you? In your marriage, with your kids, frustrated. But you see, it's not going to be a downer this morning because with Jesus, there's always good news. Because if you're... Amen, thank you. you can, can you come next week, Joe? I like you here, it's good. <laughs> Did you have one of those sweets? No, that's right. <laughs> Where are the sweets? Did they all get round, okay? Who was left with the green one? Be very blessed. <laughs> But you see, the good news is, if you're disappointed, it means you must have been appointed in the first place. You can't diss something that isn't there. Youth speak. Yeah, that's, that's my youth contribution for the evening. So let me start with some good news. The word appoint, from the Chambers English Dictionary, says to give someone a job or position, to fix or agree on a date, time, or or place. Let me give you some good news to start off. We have been appointed and set apart by Jesus Christ, maker of heaven and earth, the Lord God who we've been worshipping this morning. Do you know what that position is? We are found in Christ Jesus. By Colin Urquhart's book, if you want more details or not. We are in Christ Jesus, chosen, adopted, loved, 
precious. You see, it's not about feelings. I'm very much ruled by my feelings. I battle with them an awful lot. But we have to base things not on our feelings, which are real, but on the truth of the finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary and when he ascended. And where is he now? Seated at the right hand of the Father with all authority given to him, as David was speaking about earlier. That's a pretty good place to be. What did the psalmist say? He said this in Psalm 42, verse 11. He said, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. See, when disappointment comes, we can speak to ourselves. We can speak to our spirits. We can remind ourselves to put our hope in the truth of this book. Amen? Yeah, amen. I'm not trying to force up a crowd here. <laughs> Some might say, well, that's just positive thinking, you know, saying everything's all right. When it's based, when our speech is based on the authentic word of God, then that avails much power, much power. Applying God's word has eternal value, I believe. I really believe that. I just think it would be good just to encourage us, maybe take five minutes this week. Sometimes I say, when you're driving, when you're walking, well, here's a challenge. Sit in a chair, please turn off your phone, and just meditate on this. Jesus Christ, the Alpha and the Omega. Just five minutes. When you do that, your mind sort of goes... You actually think about it. We've heard it. The beginning and the end. There is nothing outside of this wonderful God who is on our side. Isn't that wonderful? It's just absolutely fantastic. So, all very nice, Julian. Thank you for telling us we're disappointed, showing us your pet elephant, and can we go home now? Well, you can, but let's apply. Let's see what the Word of God has to say, because ultimately, this is the most important thing to get get a look at, because I see in this passage in 2 Kings 6 a lot of similarities between um, this story... And where we are as beacon. And I just offer this to you as I believe something God would like to highlight to us. So let me read this. So we're looking at 2 Kings chapter 6. And we're just running through from uh, verses 1 to 7. All of these notes and stuff will be on the website. And I've added a load of scripture stuff which I'm not going to get to today. So you can have a look at those. So 2 Kings 6. Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See, the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, and each of us there get a log, and let us make a place to dwell there. And he answered, Go. Then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So Elisha went with them. When they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? When he showed him the place, he cut a stick, threw it in, and he made the iron float. Wow. Do you think it really happened? You can say yes if you want. (laughs) I, I believe it happened, but it's pretty wild, isn't it? He made the iron float. 
So Elisha said, take it up. So he reached out with his hand and he took it up. Because of time, I'm just going to hit these as headings, but look, look at this story. The people were prophetic and wanted to move on. Amen? Is that us? We're prophetic people. We want to move on. They recognized that they were restricted and they needed a larger place. So what did they do? They got involved with prophetic leadership. They got their agreement and they moved out in agreement. What happened? Moving was tough, but it was part of God's plan for them. You know, maybe someone's, God's challenging, maybe someone here to move. You think, oh, it's going to be really tough. But I tell you, it could be blessing. It could be blessing at the end if it's God calling you to do that. What happened then? They worked hard practically. Don't you love the Bible? <laughs> they worked hard practically. Here's one for us musicians. Some of the equipment they used was borrowed. Then here we, now we're getting to the fun part. There was loss, which was no one's fault. I was just doing what God had called me to do. I sensed God called me to move out. I sensed God calling me. Even the leadership came with me and said, yes, I've started doing it and now I've lost it. Yeah? Does that ring any bells? They hadn't done anything wrong, but there was loss. But what happens? The prophetic was present. That's so important. The prophetic was present to bring God's solution. Then what happened? A supernatural miracle took place. <laughs> Could spend weeks on the application. <laughs> Finally, and very importantly, the people had to reach out to take hold of the miracle. Sometimes we can stand and go, oh, that's great. You know, David's saying go up the back and... And I mean, I won't, um, because, you know, I'll sort of sort it out with God. Go up the back if you want to receive more of God. I should, we should have all been up the back. We should, I mean, even the musicians, put your, we all want more of God, don't we? Not a criticism, it's just, just throwing it out there. We have to take hold of these things sometimes. Lord, I believe you've healed me of fear of going on buses or something. So the way I do it is I have to one day get on a bus and travel to the next stop, even if I've got a damaged hand. <laughs> so we step out. We have to get hold of the miracle. There'll be opportunities to pray again at the end because God's good. Isn't it interesting in this story? We're never really told why they needed a bigger place. We're never really told whether they finished building and how good it looked. You see, because I believe Jesus, well, the word says it, Jesus is building his church. And it's our responsibility to trust the God-given leadership that he's put over us and ordained us to co-work with Jesus to build it. We've heard two weeks ago how it's going to end up. God in this story doesn't seem too interested in they're moving on and building and they've made this. God seems to be highlighting through his word the nitty, gritty, nasty, dirty, difficult, day-to-day -day stuff that these godly people were facing. And I believe that's a great word of encouragement for us as a church. God is interested not just in the glorious, wonderful church we're going to be, but in us working it out day-to-day -day in our relationships with all the stuff that comes our way. 
at Cell Group this week, can I ask you, take this passage and one we'll look at later and just unpack it and see if you can find other similarities between us and these people. See, I want to issue a challenge this morning. I couldn't believe when David started talking about... Um, I say I couldn't believe it. David started talking earlier about the gift of interpretation because I've been praying that people will get it because I don't really want it because I'm not quite sure how to do it properly. Am I supposed to say it's from God or from him or on behalf of him? I don't know. But we have got a great opportunity on March the 15th and 16th when Pete and Fran are coming to us as a church for the weekend. Please be there because I believe the Lord is laying down a challenge saying there's many gifted people in this church and it's time to come out of the baggage like Saul. He hid in the baggage, he had a calling, he had a gifting, and he went and hid. And even then his head was popping up above the baggage because he was so tall. Maybe there's a few heads bobbing up above the baggage in here. Everyone has a gift. And I've put on here, gift of interpretation of tongues. That's what we need in this church. Gifts of healing. I know I don't want to confuse the two things because there's offices and there's gifts. It's gifts of healing. Gifts of help. Would we like some gifts of help, Steve? <laughs> yes, Lord. Raise up and bring in people with gifts of help. Gifts of healing. It can have a real impact locally, across Herne Bay, nationally, internationally. Don't allow false humility or fear to stop you from pressing out. You know, oh, I've never really read a scripture before in church. Well, read one in cell group. If you're not sure, chat to the cell group leader beforehand. Agree which one you're going to read and read it. It's about small steps. Grow. We grow and we learn. But brothers and sisters, let's ask God what gifts he's given us. And then let's use and develop those gifts. We have a wonderful opportunity in three or four weeks' time to get the prophetic really launched in this church. Don't hold back. Yes, submit your gift. Very important. But also, let's use the gifts that God has given us. So as Elisha went with the people, they built and disaster struck. Hallelujah. But what did he do? He threw in a stick. Now, Bible commentators will tell you, or tell us, that the stick represents the cross. And, you know, let's be honest, we've been individuals as a church, we've gone through some pretty tough stuff recently. But you know what we've done? We've had a stick we've thrown it in and that's been Jesus. We've come back to Jesus, haven't we? We haven't got lost in a spin in how are we going to work this out. We've come back to Jesus. It's always the place to come back. You see, the cross is not just a place of forgiveness. The cross is a place of miraculous restoration. Miraculous restoration. Where our dead lives are given new, new life. We're getting banged a lot here, aren't we? <laughs> The disciples actually saw Jesus die on the cross, those that hadn't run away. All their hopes, all their dreams, and what did they see there? They saw ultimate defeat, ultimate failure, and the loss of everything that they believed in. It was gone, that was it, finished. As we heard earlier, as it was shared, Jesus went to the very lowest of the low, and this was the people, this was the man the disciples were following It was finished. It was done. No hope. But God. But God had and has a higher plan. He is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning 
and the end. He knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. We can throw the cross at our fears, our faults and our failure. This is why I should have been a Baptist minister because I've got six F's now. We can throw at the cross our fears and our faults and our failures. And what does God give us? Forgiveness, faith and friendship. This word in my heart so much. Now I no longer call you servants. I've called you friends. Disappointment knocks on the door. It comes. Let me encourage you, stay close to your brothers and sisters at that stage. I want to isolate myself when that happens. I feel a bit of a <clears throat> grating with someone else in the body. I want to hide myself. That's the time to get in close to the body. Don't isolate yourself. Don't walk away. Because if you isolate yourself, there's only one person that's going to be rejoicing. And we don't like him very much, do we? Boo. Stay close to your brothers and sisters. Would you like to turn to Exodus chapter 15, please? Just see a, a parallel story. This is the story of the children of Israel. Um, they've come out of Egypt and they're now making their way, slow but sure, to the promised land. If they listened to God, they could have done it in about 12 days. But because they're like me, it took them 40. <laughs> and then only two made it from the original bunch. But in this story, you see God's people are going from their um, captivity and they're, tr- they're moving into the promise that God has got for them. They've had some fantastic, amazing things they've seen, and they've had some real lows as well. And then we get to Exodus chapter 15, um, and uh, it's all getting a little bit difficult. Chapter 15, verse 22. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. That's pretty serious, isn't it? When they came to Mara, they could not drink the water of Mara because it was bitter. Therefore, they called it Mara. And the people grumbled, just like I would have, against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord. <laughs> he didn't have a meeting. He cried to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a log or a tree. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made a statue and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord your healer. God's good too. I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elam, and there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Again, because of time, just the bullet points. The people were heading towards the promise. They were going for the promise. The test came after a time of exuberant rejoicing at the deliverance that they'd enjoyed from God. Natural circumstances led to disappointment and complaining. Yeah? The Bible's just so real, isn't it? 
It didn't say, oh, the children of Israel having a bit of a tough time, but we'll, we'll brush over that because God was so glorious. The Bible's honest. It's okay. Some of the stuff we go through, it's okay. What did Moses do? He cried out to the Lord and he threw in a tree into the water. And what happened to the water? It was miraculously sweet. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? To put that in your thesis, said, won't you? Just throw the cheese into the water and fantastic. And then the people received a conditional, note that, conditional promise of healing. Not just come to the front, you know, have your headache better and fall over. No, sometimes there's conditions. We're dealing with a real God here. We're not playing games. And what finally, what finally happened? Following the test, the people arrived at a place of abundant waters and provision. This was where I was a bit worried about how far to go this morning, but I felt greatly encouraged by what was said earlier because I believe there are many here, I'll include myself, who are very weary from their journey, their Christian journey. You know, you're working hard, you're doing the right thing, you're doing okay, but some, sometimes you feel something's lost. Maybe sometimes you can even grumble inside. But here's the encouragement. We can apply the cross, the cross of Jesus we can return to Jesus Christ, the Alpha and the Omega. It's very understandable, you know, for people to feel bitter, to feel upset, for all the world throws at them. And believe me, I'm not insensitive to how tough that is. But the solution is to steer, to steer through this, is for us to draw close again to the cross of Jesus Christ. I believe today, and I mean today, he can make bitter water sweet for us. Folk today, David encouraged us earlier, but God can make bitter water sweet. How? I don't know. By the power of his spirit. I can't make it happen. We can't, we can't play a few emotional chords now, get people to come to the front in the emotion, feel better. God can do something powerfully by his word. He can set us free. How long do you want to carry? How long do I want to carry the bitterness for? Apply the cross. It's supernatural. It's God-given. Come to the cross. Jesus never turned anyone away. He never turned anyone away. He challenged some people when they wanted to follow him, but he never turned anyone away. What did David say last week in his prophetic word? He talked about water being turned into wine. Now that, that's a natural process which can happen over a long period of time. But God can accelerate the process. In that story, he took 150 gallons of foot-washing, stinky water and converted it, converted it, changed it into the most beautiful, sweet, refreshing wine. And God can do that for us. I really believe that. When Steve talked about earlier about the grapes getting crushed, and making the fine wine, you know. I've been feeling that a lot for us as a church the last two or three weeks. But I think, oh, that's just me being a bit emotional. How exciting when you realise that's on God's heart. Are we going to take him at his word? Are we going to do, are we going to respond? Am I going to respond to that? Did you know your destiny is completely tied up with God? Do you know that? Isn't that fantastic? Your destiny is completely tied up with him. You can remind yourself that you're chosen. 
you are adopted, you're welcomed into his family, you're chosen before time even began. God loves you with an everlasting love. Sometimes you just need to hear that. He loves you with an everlasting love. Oh, and we need you on the stewarding rotor. Yeah, in time, yes. But he loves you with an everlasting life. We have a God who miraculously turns bitter water into sweet. He can bring what is bitter into a place of refreshment. And do you see what happened after that? I think verse 27 is amazing. Then they came to Elam and there were 12 springs of water, 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. They didn't just have their immediate need met. God didn't just give them a conditional promise. They then moved to a place of the most incredible provision. Lord, would you do that for us? As we move on, as we go through tough times and challenges, would you move us to a place of incredible provision? They didn't dig the wells. They didn't plant the trees. They were already there. Things we're going for as a church, it's already there. <laughs> it's already there. We just have to take the steps of obedience during, in the grotty and the rotten stuff that we have to walk through. Turn now to Deuteronomy chapter 1. You doing all right out there? It's okay? Everybody happy? Yeah? <laughs> I'm not happy. <laughs> okay, the background to Deuteronomy 1. This is Moses who's now recalling what happened um, during the Exodus when, when he led the people of God, with uh, the, the children of Israel, with God's leading, he led them towards the promised land. So in Deuteronomy, he's giving a bit of a, a, um, a resume of what's happening. And there's just two verses, three verses here I want us to look at. Deuteronomy 1, 29, verses 31. So the people of God have been coming through the wilderness, dealing with all sorts of challenges and so forth, and then we get to verse 29. It said this, um, where are we? And then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. That's the giants in the land that they were going to inherit. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you have seen how, sorry, where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. I'm just going to need my elephant again. So. Now, when a mother holds a baby, oh, they've gone. That's a relief. It might not work. When a mother holds a baby, mother holds a baby like that. Is that right? Yeah? Sorry, that's my elephant. It's going to go well on the tape, this, isn't it? Yeah? Have you noticed when you've got your little baby and it gets to about 18 months, what does the dad do? Does he do that? Does he do that? Wave to everybody. Do you want a sweet? Yeah? Okay. Hard hats on. Today, God wants to remind us that he wants to carry us as sons on his shoulders 
when you're a baby, you need to be nursed and cared for, and that's good, and that's right. But there's also a time for maturity. It's a time to move on from being babies to being baby Christians. And it's time to become sons. And it's time to be a son that gets on their father's shoulder. And when you're on your father's shoulder, what do you have? You have an excellent view, yeah? You're as tall as the giants, yeah? You have the security of the father holding you because you go away like that, but he's got you nice and solid. And what else? You're very close to his ear. <laughs> you can speak, he can hear you, he can speak, you can he-, he can hear you. We have a God who wants to carry us on his shoulders. It's good to have the milk of the word, that's so important, but we also need to move on to the meat. We need to grow up. I need to grow up, even at my age. It's time to grow up and to get onto our father's shoulders because it says God is the one who carries us. Imagine being carried on God's shoulders, not just sort of dancing through happy times, but on God's shoulders as we approach the difficulties and the challenges that are coming our way as we seek to take more, more land for Jesus, so to speak. People come in, people from this area start getting drawn in, Young people, older people, get drawn in. We're going to need to be on God's shoulders because we're going to face some giants. We've been facing giants recently, but we are on his shoulders. So how do we move on from disappointment? Well, here's a few little, little thoughts to, to um, just sort of pop on your fridge. Firstly, continue to worship God. You've probably heard this phrase, an audience of one. Probably it's easier for, for those of us who are musicians because we can just play our instrument and worship God. So it's a bit, bit unfair sometimes. But whether you can play an instrument or not, have an audience of one with God. Get aside, have an audience of one. Just tell him you love him. Tell him you want to follow him. Thank him for looking after you, putting shoes on your feet. Thank him for his goodness. Because actually knowing God and his presence is our ultimate goal. Ultimately, we will be with him. Ultimately, his presence. Enjoy God's word. This is truth. My feelings, especially recently, my goodness, up and down there, you know, the old SAD kicks in when the weather's like this as well. But God's word stands forever. It's truth, whether the sun's shining or whether your garden's flooded. (laughs) Remember that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and forever, but obviously not for today. No, is that right? No, no, good. A bit more aggressive, no. No, Jesus is the same today, except in my situation, of course. Jesus is the same today and forever. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Next point I put here, stay connected to the body. Stay, stay in the vine. Remember we're a bride Jesus isn't coming back for lots and lots of little brides that all got the ump and left their church and have their own time with Jesus. He's coming back for a glorious bride. Stay in the body. Be part of the bride. Remember who you are in Christ Jesus. And again, in Psalm 23, what does it say? He prepares a table for us when everything's going really great. (laughs) No, he prepares a table for us in the midst of our enemies. It's so horrible, but sometimes the best time you can have with God is when it's the grottiest. Wish it wasn't so. The best time you can have with God 
Because you're naked, aren't you? Lord, I've just had it. It's all gone. It's me and you. Tough place to be. What does it say? His banner over us is love. Wow. His banner over us is love. Fantastic. One final scripture is uh, Genesis 48 verse 7. I just want to give another word of encouragement. This might be the red sweet that you really want. This might be the green sweet that doesn't do it for you. Genesis chapter 48 and verse 7. The context is uh, Jacob, whose other name was Israel. He's dying and he's speaking his final words to his son Joseph. And I've spent the last couple of weeks reading the story of Joseph and what a fantastic story. But let me encourage you to read to the very, very end of the story. Because often he gets reconciled with his brothers to go, oh, that's great, thank you, Lord, now I'll go back to Ephesians. There's some awesome stuff at the very end. So here's the verse, 48, verse 7. This might be one to underline if you're an underliner. This is, so this is Jacob or Israel speaking. He says, as for me, when I came from Padan, to my sorrow, Rachel died in the land of Canaan on the way. When there was still some distance to go, to Ephrath, and I buried her there on the way to Ephrath. You think, oh, Julian, that's a nice verse. Thanks very much. Pin that on the fridge. Let me tell you, Jacob was devastated, devastated by the death of his wife, Rachel. And all these years later, on his deathbed, it's still the one thing, along with the desire to bless his sons, it's the one thing that's really hard within him. He recalls the love of his life, his soulmate, the key part of his dreams had died and she'd been buried at Ephrath. You know, he had to bury something that was very precious while he was on his journey with God. It's pretty, pretty heavy duty. Sometimes we have to bury things that are very precious on our journey with God. Something very dear to us. But here's the thrill. Have you got brackets in your Bible for that verse? Yeah. It says there, I buried her there on the way at Ephrath, bracket, that is Bethlehem. Now, little quiz, okay. Can anybody think of anybody who might have been born in Bethlehem? (laughs) You get three guesses. (laughs) Not my elephant. Jesus. Jesus. Oh, well, I can't give you sweets because I've eaten them all. Sorry, sorry. Well done, Jesus. I've never seen that. I have never seen this before. Read it a few times. Never seen it before. The place where Israel's dreams died, his hopes died, his marriage died. Everything, everything that meant so much to him died. That was the very place where God was going to provide the answer. That's the very, God had already providing, was already providing the answer that one day from Bethlehem there was going to be one born who was going to change it all, who was going to bring death to life, disappointment to hope. Again, it might sound a bit heavy, but even in the place of absolute desolation, God is already on the case your Ephrath can become and is God's Bethlehem. 
What does the Bible say? It says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. We're all going to get in the garden soon, aren't we, Kay? Please, Lord. (laughs) What do you do? You take your radish seed, tiny little dead old radish seed, you put it in the soil, and it sprouts, and it grows, and you get your radish. But you have to put it into the ground, into the cold, into the wet, into the miserable, into the dark. And sometimes it's the same for us. We have to put stuff in and let it die. Sometimes we have to let stuff go and let stuff die because it says God gives the growth. You know, winding up now. (laughs) Hooray. We have encountered difficulties individually as a church. Sorrows, trials, but there is hope. Brothers and sisters, there is hope because we worship Jesus who is alive, who knows the end from the beginning, the alpha and the omega. And he loves you and he wants you to use every gift that he's put in you. Maybe he's calling you to change position, move about a bit, I don't know. But get before him. So, if there's an elephant in the room, disappointment, disillusionment or whatever, you want to keep it a bit quiet. If that's there, if that's in your room, let me just tell you, God will never leave you or forsake you. Never leave you or forsake you. Continue to pray, Jeremiah 29, was it 5 to 14. Pray for the welfare of the city. Because the Jeremiah 11 verse is a condition, I believe, to what goes before. Not just that God will lead us and will bless us and all the rest of it, but that we will be a blessing to this town and this area that we live. Remember, my friends, we serve a God who redeems the impossible. We looked at redemption, didn't we, a few years ago, a couple of years ago. He redeems. Through the cross, he can make bitter waters sweet today. What does it say? Today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. He can make bitter waters sweet today. And not only that, he can then lead us on to an Elam, a place of incredible provision, where there's water, where there's food, fantastic. But, but, that place of sustenance is not somewhere where we stay. We then move on to the next thing. This is not a word saying, oh, you know, forgive so-and-so and feel better, and then God will bring you to provision. Yes, he will, but that provision is to provide provision to take us on to the next stage that God has got for us. Amen. I believe that. I really believe that. If not, we'll eat all the dates off the tree, we'll drink all the water, and then we get miserable again. <laughs> it's all we are on a journey with God. He brings sweetness to sourness. He brings sustenance. He brings us to a place of abundance. And then from that strength, we can move into what God has got for us. Finally, Remember, we have a God who carries us on his shoulder like, like a father carries his son. There are other scriptures, as I say, there in the notes. We're coming now to, I'll pass over to David, but just to say that we're going to sing the final song, There's a Place, talking about heaven, talking about ultimately where we're going to end up. It's good to know where we're going to finish up. <laughs> it's good to know. So we can sing this song with excitement. We can sing it with hope. But also remember that we still have a job to do while we're here. So we have a hope. But let's say, Father, please break through the bitterness. 
bring sweetness, bring us to a place of provision and sustenance, and then, Father, take us on to the next step. Amen. Thanks for your attention.